now. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Well, good morning. It, I did. <laughs> I should say good morning, Redeemer, and now good morning, Journey. <laughs> so we I got the phone call last night and thought uh, Cody was joking with me, and I was speechless on the phone. <laughs> Literally, my mouth was just, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was like, uh, that's kind of funny. Um, but I hope everyone's doing well on this rainy Sunday uh, morning. Um, and, and it just so happens to be May 5th, which if you're not going out and getting tacos afterwards, then I don't, what are you even doing, right? <laughs> but but I, I, since since Cody's here, I'd like to just say a few things to um, to Cody and to uh, the journey. I didn't even get through the first song without crying. Uh, thinking of you guys coming and and sending off and celebrating and um, a hello and goodbye sort of thing. Um, but thank you. Um, seven years been a been a wild ride. <laughs> I can um, think about coming from uh, where we were to the journey and the Lord really um, reforming our um, theology and reforming our hearts and reforming the way we look and, and think about God. And, and I remember um, how it all got started as my wife got turned on to a guy named Mark Driscoll. <laughs> uh, many of you guys know who he is. Um, if you don't, he was he was kind of the, our gateway into what was Acts 29. And if you're familiar with Acts 29, it's a global church planning uh, network with lots of churches across the globe uh, to which the journey is a part of. So I remember that day, it was September 9th, right? September 9th, 2012. I was sitting in the balcony of our former church before that, um, looking over at my friend who now has planted a church in Raleigh, North Carolina, and said, you know what, if an Acts 29 church was to open up uh, my wife and I would, would go and attend that church. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And he's like, did you know there's an Acts 29 church that's been planted in, in Marietta um, today? It actually start, started launch today. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? The next Sunday we were there and then the following Sunday after that. So that's, that's how we got there. And, and again, thanks, Cody, for giving me uh, the, the space, giving us young guys like Chris the space to um, get up and, and fumble um, at the pulpit and to, you know, go through the Word of God and to study um, the Word and to, and to give it um, and spoon-feed it to a flock. It's, it's, a, it's a joy. And it's an honor. And it's a privilege. And I thank you guys. I thank you, Journey, uh, for being here um, and, for, and, and for putting up with my, my, uh, my stumbling through things. But if you guys don't know who I am, for those that... Um, most of you do, actually, I think. But my name is Ryan. Um, if you're visiting this morning, hello. Good to have you. We're glad that you're here. Um, I am the outreach pastor. That's kind of, the, I guess, the title. Who really cares? But I'm, I'm John, uh, John, Jim's partner um, here at the Redeemer. Um, we started uh, April, but officially now on, on staff here. So you'll be seeing more of my face, my wife, and, and my three kids that are sitting there. Uh, you'll, you'll be seeing more of us. But I'm, I'm, I'm beyond excited and nervous to be here um, and to be a part of what the Lord um, is doing here um, in and through uh, this church and in and through um, what he's doing here in Parkersburg. Um, but today, we're going to take a break from Luke. Many of you guys were in Luke. Um, if you're here and regular, we're going to look at, um, we're going to go and talk about Psalms. Um, if you're, again, from the journey or if you're from the Redeemer and you want to listen to the rest of the sermon series, I encourage you to go out and, and, and listen to it at, at the Journey's website. Um, it'll, I, I think it'll bless your socks off, as they say. <laughs> but we're going to look at our response 
to God. Um, and that, like, when our hearts have been changed by the gospel, we want to see what response, the response of our heart should be. So we're, we're going to learn about delighting in God and what that looks like, right? It's essential to every follower of Christ, right? We, we know in Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So we are to worship God and delight ourselves in Him and to... Um, Find a deep connection to him that, that is fulfilling. Sometimes we have a hard time figuring out just exactly how we should light ourselves in him. Right? And that's the reason behind the sermon and the sermon series that we were, that we were uh, going through. Now, there are ways in which we see in Scripture that we are to delight ourselves in God. And many of those are centered around the attributes of who God is. Right? Those include attributes such as creator and sustainer. God being the Holy One, Him being the Sovereign Lord, the Just Judge, and the Merciful Redeemer. Again, many of those are out there um, online, and I, like again, I, I encourage you to listen to those. But there are also some other ways, right, in which we respond to these attributes. Some of those responses include repentance and prayer, and the study of His Word, getting to know who He is. Right? We respond to those attributes in those, in those manner. And today, we're going to examine our response to those attributes by looking at worship and what that and worship, again, is vitally important to those that call themselves Christians, right? We should be worshiping God. But what is worship? Well, there's many, many definitions out there that tell us what worship is. And, and I, I looked at so many different like, resources, different theological dictionaries, those sorts of things, and I just really wasn't kind of satisfied with what I was finding. So I did a, a, a quick Google search and found uh, a website that provided this definition, and I really enjoyed it. And I'll repeat it twice because there is quite a bit there. <clears throat> this says, Worship is an act of response to the character, words, and actions of God initiated by His revelation, whereby the mind is transformed, the heart is renewed, and actions are surrendered, all in accordance with His will and in order to declare His infinite worthiness. Then we see that worship changes in response to His character, His words, and His actions, changes head, heart, Enhance. It changes our mind, it changes our heart, and causes change without. Again, let me, let me repeat that in case you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do. I see a smile right there. Worship is an act of response to the character, words, and actions of God initiated by His revelation, whereby the mind is transformed, the heart renewed, and actions are surrendered, all in accordance with His will and in order to declare His infinite worthiness. That's a mouthful, but it's really good. See, the Psalms, they're replete with worship of our great God and King, but, but today we're going to focus just on one Psalm specifically, Psalm 145. We're going to direct our attention there here. See, it's the last Psalm of David in the Psalter. All right, we all know that the Psalter is the hymnal, uh, the inspired hymnal um, that has been given to us by the Lord in his word to read and to pray through and to even sing as some people do. Right? In this psalm, we have this beautiful theology of who God is that leads to this beautiful doxology. And if you don't understand what that means, it means basically what we know and believe about God should lead us to worship God. Right? So if we believe something incorrect about God, then we're going to worship it incorrectly. The flip side of that is if we believe something right about God, if we believe rightly in God, then we shall worship God rightly. I hope you can hear me in the back. Can everybody hear me? Okay, good. 
make sure my voice is working. <laughs> see, see, Calvin had this to say about, about, the, about this psalm specifically. He says, The psalmist praises God as he reflects on his goodness, his wisdom, and righteousness, both in his government of the world and his care of humankind. So I'm going to pray, and we'll read through the text and unpack it as we go. Lord, this is a, a joyous occasion to be here. Uh, Lord, just to, to go through your word with um, those of the journey and with those of Redeemer um, and, and, and the connections that are happening and being made. Lord, it's, this is an honor and a privilege to be here, to stand behind this pulpit, God, to speak uh, the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would get um, any and all emotions and get myself out of the way, Lord, and that you would speak through your word today and that you would open the hearts and the minds of those that are hearing. And we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 145. Uh, we're going to go through 1 through 9 first. <clears throat> I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in fast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. <clears throat> now, everyone everywhere worships, worships someone or something. Right? We all find ourselves delighting in something, right? Golf, baseball, your, your hot rod that's in your garage, food. Right? None of these are bad things, right? They're, they're, they're fun to, it's fun to have a hobby and to enjoy something, right? It's human nature to delight in something, to worship something. It's what we were created to do. Quite, quite, quite clearly, we have gotten this incorrect, right? We've gotten this wrong. Just look back at Genesis 3 at the fall with Adam and Eve. They sacrificed all that God had given them, all the good that God had given them for self-gratification, for a lie. And if you remember back to that, that conversation that Eve had with the serpent and said, the serpent saying, well, God knows that you're going to be like God. That's why he told you not to eat of the fruit of the tree. And Eve was like, oh, yeah. And her eyes were open and saw that the fruit was good. And so she was deceived and therefore her husband was deceived as well. And they partook of the fruit of the tree. Now we all know that you couldn't get any more like God because they were in the image and likeness of God. That's what they were created in. I think also back to Moses in Exodus 32. When the, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and, and they were waiting for Moses and he, they was, he was taking too long. Right? Many of you, we get so agitated when the fast food line takes forever. It's the name of it. It's fast food. It should be fast, right? shouldn't sit for 20 minutes in the drive-thru. McDonald's. If you work at McDonald's, don't feel bad. Just do better, okay? <laughs> but Moses, in, in Exodus 32, he's coming down off the mountain only to find his, the people of Israel worshiping this golden calf. It's the funniest story in the Bible. Right? The people come to, him, come to Aaron and say, hey, we want to worship a God. This just isn't cutting it for us. So they fashioned, they took all the gold, they melted it down, fashioned, and Aaron fashioned this golden calf. When Moses came down, he was in great anger. He threw down his tablet, first person in history to have a broken tablet, mind you. He got so mad, he threw his tablets down, 
and asked Aaron, well, what, what are you doing? And Aaron replied, his response is hilarious. He said, well, you were taken forever. They wanted a God to worship, so we took all the gold, we threw it in the fire, and out come this golden calf. Poof! Here's this golden calf. Really? <laughs> I, do, I get a big chuckle out of that one. Uh, but, but again, Acts 17. See, we're talking about all people everywhere worship someone or something. Acts 17, for those that are at the journey that are going through the Acts. Remember back to the Areopagus. Paul is speaking to the Areopagus. And as he's, as he's walking through Athens in, in that area, he says to the men, he says, I perceive that you were religious because as I walked through, I saw the objects of your worship. Even saw an altar to the unknown God. And he was there to proclaim to them who that unknown God was. The God of Scripture. See, sinful humanity, a humanity that has not been redeemed by the work of Christ, will worship something that's other than the true God of the universe. Right? But what we read here in Psalm 145 is something completely different. What we read here is a man who's has been made right with God. Remember David and his sins with Bathsheba and, and murder and adultery, but yet was still called a man after God's own heart and wrote many of these songs and these psalms that are worshipful and the response and, uh, that he uh, responded to God in repentance in Psalm 51. We re- remember those things. His heart was changed by who God was and, and was made right by God and he was properly giving worship that was due to God. See, this is what gospel truth does to us and for us. It makes us new so that we can properly worship and delight in God. It's the response of a heart that's been radically transformed by the gospel. So David says in the psalm that he extols and blesses and praises God as his God and King forever. Again, when when our hearts are changed by the gospel, this is going to sound repetitive because the gospel is very central to our belief. So I feel that we need to be repetitious and that we need to constantly, excuse me, be brought back to the gospel and what it is. But when, when we've been constantly changed and when our hearts have been changed by the gospel, this is our response. And we'll worship God in the here and now, but when we think about worshiping God forever and ever, then we are excited. There's an excitement about that. Right? To think about that we are worshiping alongside the angels and worshiping alongside those that have gone before us. Right, Those saints that have died before us and are now in heaven. That excites us to think about. Today also recognizes that the Lord is great and His greatness is unsearchable. We can't fathom just how great God really is. It just baffles our human intelligence when we think about it. Just think about how great He is and it's, you, you can't. It should cause you to worship Him. Despite how unfathomable, fathomable, that's a hard word to say. Despite that, we still declare God's works to the next generation and that's part of our worship. Right? David here, he uses this language, this, this generation and covenantal language, uh, which gives us an understanding that as Christians, as those who believe and trust in God, that we will share these truths to our children. And hopefully our children will share with their children and so on and so forth down the line. And it's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, all over again, proclaiming the goodness of God to those that are after us, to my children, from you, know, you to your children. But we don't only share in these truths we tell of God's mighty acts, His glorious splendor of His majesty and His awesome deeds. I think when we look back as grandchildren, as, as grandparents and we tell our grandchildren of the time of when Cody or when Jim launched out, launched out and planted 
churches. Basically, at the same time, seven years, roughly, when you think about the amazing things that God did through those, these two uh, church plants and, and what God is continually doing through those moments. We're going to probably even tell of a time where we experienced our first difficult time in church. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Or the times that we were able to send money to young church planners. I can think about some of those conversations that we had um, on the phone with, uh, with a couple gentlemen and just their, their gratitude that they extended in, in excitement because someone was coming behind them and, and helping them. I remember sitting in the car with you in Columbus and talking to David Hackney about him planting his church in Lebanon, Ohio, and looking back and kind of looking in the rearview mirror when he found out that, that the journey was going to give some money to help their efforts, just seeing him look like he was about to cry. You could, you could tell when someone's about to weep because they're going to get like that right there. <laughs> How amazing is that, though? we we'll look back on those moments. Look back on days like today, May 5th, 2019, when we experienced our, our first gospel goodbye. And our first gospel, hello. See, it's our duty as followers of Christ to make new followers of Christ and to pour forth the fame of His abundant goodness. Excuse me. (laughs) See, it's my prayer then as we get older that the Lord will allow us to remember these great things that He has done. And not to forget His greatness, but to create what I like to call monuments of God's grace in our lives. Not like the Israelites when they crossed over the Jordan River and they were, to, they were instructed to place 12 stones on the other side to be a memorial to teach their children of what the Lord did that day. Crossing from one place to the next. See, when we truly delight in who God is, we're going to speak about Him. We're going to continually. His, his, our mouths will be full of His praise. It's kind of like those people that are gung-ho about CrossFit, vegetarianism, plexus, and it works. You can't get away from them. They're, they're all over Facebook. May, may our mouths be full of God's praise, much in that same manner. And may people not be able to get away from our excitement um, with the Lord. Right? If that pushes people away, then so be it. It's going to draw and attract some people that, that have a desire to know God and want to worship God. But why are our mouths full of praise and, and why do we worship God? Well, first, there's a couple reasons that, that I believe, but first, as I previously stated, it's because the Lord has changed our hearts, first and foremost. He's caused us to place our worship and our praise and our delight and not other things, right? We place our delight and our trust and our worship in Him. Secondly, it's I, I believe that once our heart is open to the truth that we see in uh, verses 8 and 9, that He is gracious and merciful, He's slow to anger, right? He is good to all and His mercy is over all. That he has made, he is abounding in steadfast, loyal love. His, he's he's loyal to his children and his people. This is the same understanding that Moses had of God in Exodus thirty four six. Right. So the Lord is gracious and is merciful, and it should cause us to delight and worship in Him as it did Moses. Now, this basically simply means that God is not just sitting around biding His time, waiting for His children to mess up, and then zap us with a lightning bolt. Right. That would hurt. None of us want to be zapped with a lightning bolt. He said he's gracious. See, God will, God will discipline us. God will discipline his people, right? As any loving father would do to their child. However, this is, he does this discipline in grace and mercy. And it's this grace and mercy that we want to tell others about, right? Those that, that don't know Christ, that are 
sinners, that we want to tell others who he is so they could see God's grace and mercy and come to the cross and repent and worship alongside us. And another way that we worship God is in recognizing the ways in which he provides for us. And not just for us, but his entire creation. He's the sustainer and the creator of the world. Right? He creates it. He sustains it. He replenishes the earth with rain. So let's, let's move on here. We'll take 10 through 21. So all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his work, words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him and also hears their cries and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. You see, in these next 11 verses, we see that those who delight in him still continue to speak about his glory, his power, his mighty deeds, and the splendor of his kingdom. See, that's something that doesn't stop. It's continual with the life of a believer who's been changed by the gospel. It's a constant worship of who God is. Again, I pray that when we stop and, and take a look at our lives, that we'll see those monuments of grace that cause us to worship God. We'll see where God provided and where God was expanding his kingdom. And we'll see that when he's at, he, that he's at work in those difficult times in the the joyous times. I pray that we look back again on this very day, even for myself, that I'll look back and cherish the moments of when God took us from one place to another. That those will be monuments for my wife and I to look back on and to remember and reflect upon those times where God was faithful to His calling and faithful to His people. Now the psalmist here in these verses, he's remembering God's provision. Something that we see throughout Scripture, right? That God provides for His people. But, you see, the God, out of His goodness, provides not only for His people, but He satisfies and provides the desires of every living thing. And this is what we call common grace, the rain falling on the just and unjust alike. Joe, atheist farmer, sits, has his house next to Joe, Christian farmer, and the rain still falls on both fields, producing crops for sustainability, for food, and for for money. God providing for them both. I can think back on times when um, I was unemployed and lost my job and you know we kind of wondered how are we going to get by? God always provided man. We were 15 cents in the bank account but man we had food, we had shelter, bills were paid and we had laughs and we had the Lord and that was the most important thing. But despite through all of those things that God still provided for us and that should cause us to worship and delight in God. Because he's good. We worship God because his, of his greatness and of his goodness. And I'm sure there are times when Cody and when, when Jim were kind of wondering, what are we going to do? <laughs> they wondered how the Lord would provide for certain needs of the church. And, and maybe you have as well. Maybe each and every one of us have always wondered, how are we going to make it? And God 
somehow richly provided and richly blessed you. Think back on those moments. Think about the goodness and, and the glory of his kingdom and his power and those mighty deeds. And remember, when in his goodness he provided for you, let that cause you to worship and delight in him and in who he is because he's good. You see, God, in his provision, he's near to those who call on him in truth. This is comforting to know that the God whose dominion is throughout all generations, he hears our cries and he fulfills our heart's desires. He fulfills in, uh, our desires and purposes uh, the most Probably the most comforting words that we see within Scripture. He also preserves us. And we should find rest in that. God's preservation. He preserves those that do love Him and respond to His character, His words, and His actions with worship and delight. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank You so much for uh, this day and the um, providential plan that You set forth before the foundation of the world to see the journey and the Redeemer join on a Sunday morning to worship the one and true living God. And I pray, God, that as we go forth from here, as, that we would think back to those times where you have richly blessed and, and your goodness and your greatness have provided for us and have uh, preserved us, that you would cause us to worship you, Lord, that those thoughts would spark worship in our hearts. I thank you for all of these things, and I pray, God, um, moving forward, Lord, I thank you for just growth with both a Redeemer and the Journey, Lord, and, and, and a beautiful um, partnership of two churches desiring to see the expansion of your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.